Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Well, you haven't completed. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The work. You do the exhibition so that you use it to finalize it. So this duplicates. The EC has been very transparent, very, very clear on it, and this information is in the public domain for us to strengthen. And somebody was also mentioned about figures. I think there are some figures in the public domain, and I think when people want to know how much the EC spent on the equipment, there's nothing wrong with you writing to the, the EC, because the figures in the public domain are way, way, way of the mark. Hmm. The EC is a very, very transparent institution. And when you look at the money we spent in acquiring this equipment, then you realize that the EC is led by individuals who are really committed to uh, value for money. And beyond that, I think one assurance we can give is that the EC is committed to ensuring that we have a register that is very, very credible. And when you, we look at what we've done so far, we are very, very much convinced that we are extremely, extremely on track. So yeah, but, the, hear, but, the, but, but the main opposition but disagrees. Oh, no, that no, they no, believe no. the process I, is I was going to say that if registers will end at registration, everything will be correct. Then there will not be provision for exhibition. exhibition. <laughs> because the, as part of exhibition, as it is in the law, it makes room for inclusion. But have we ever had a situation where 110 districts have issues with duplicate? If you took 112, it was terrible. But it's like... But never on this scale. No, because we didn't mention it. You see, if you had decided not to replace the cards, you wouldn't know. Because as, as I told you, you don't know. If, if I had asked you what is your idea, you wouldn't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> finally, uh, the, the Cape Coast North um, ID, uh, case with the NDC candidate, uh, Dr. Bosman, you know, he went back to court. The court has instructed that you, you, you register, register him. him. What's going to happen? No, I think the court, the court has, uh, has indicated that 
we register him. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that uh, when you look at the ruling, the ruling was trying to make it clear that where he initially registered, there was a problem. Probably he didn't qualify to register there. So the commission will look at it and, you know, we have a registration coming up on October 1st. So if possible, we'll register him. If not, and he can also be restored. So the commission will decide. But, but, finally, but, but, but the court's order is a court order. You can you don't have a... If you don't have, the court says you should register him. Yes. If the court says register someone, it can be next year, you will still register the person. It can be six months, you will still register No, but, but he's a candidate. He, the time is of the essence. So, but, yeah, but, 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 but the court give deadline. The court, the court, the court didn't, didn't give deadline. deadline. Oh, but, 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 why, but why would you do it Later, when you know that's it has implications court, for court, his ability to represent his party, that's what the, the, the court has instructed the EC to register him. So the EC will also decide. That's judicial implement. I don't think it's the applicant who will determine how the decisions of the court will be implemented. But the, the commission will do the right thing to ensure. So that. will you register him so he can retrieve his card? And no, if you register him, then he's not retrieving he's a card. To be he's a going to card. a new card. The, the, the court didn't say that re- return his card to him. No, the yes, court, the, the court, court says register, register him. him. Okay, so and I was making the point that register him. So, so the two questions come out. Will you register him? Yes, you said you register him. No, the court. The, if the court has ordered, we don't have. You have a choice. choice. So the question is when. No, the, the when is when the commission will decide. Goodness me! But <laughs> but if you do that, then you are if, if, if you do it later than than uh, no, first no, no, of the October. The commission will do the needful. If, if you do it later than first of October, you disenfranchising him. No, that's what I'm saying. That we have a registration coming up, so it's very possible. But uh, even before we go, the exhibition has been extended to Sunday. So all those who have not done that should go to their polling stations and check their names or enter their voter ID numbers to uh, test it to uh, st- uh, one four two two. To be able to get your details. Okay. And we also want to add that there are some challenges with the data. We are not denying that. But all of them are being catered for under the exhibition. The collections do not end at the day of exhibition. We have up to the end of October to rectify any anomaly. Okay. So, so the challenges will come up during the exhibition and we'll use the month of October to rectify The most them. important thing to take note is that take advantage of the exhibition that ends on Sunday. On yes, Sunday. Uh, and, and, and go and check your name. name. Thank you, uh, Dr. Kwaku. Thank you also uh, to you, Dr. Um, uh, Bossman. Uh, sorry. James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. Boxing is big on the sporting weekend's agenda because the country has an opportunity to win another world title and it's bantamweight Duke Mike on the firing lane. Yeah, I know he's in my shoes, you know. I know Castamayano is a good boxer and I don't underrate him and, you know, this is what I've been doing for childhood. So, you know, I love it and and whatever they think, you know, I am the one who be in the ring, so they, they shouldn't think anything, they, sh- they shouldn't start thinking anything bad you know but this is what we all we are crying for so i think it's not a huge bug and fight for me this is what i want so uh, i'm coming there to win you know this is my dream this is what i've been crying for 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 years you know from childhood you know i always dreamed to be a world champion so i thank god i got opportunity to fight a best one of boxers from um philippines Duke Mike mounts the ring on Saturday night to challenge Filipino John Real Casimiro for the WBO Bantamweight crown. And we ask, is this his time? Analysis to come. The now normal site of matches being played in front of empty stadia greeted the first weekend of matches on the 12th of September, but the understandably efforts being taken to gradually see spectators return, even as case numbers across Europe show worrying signs of entering a second wave. So we navigate the space and find out how countries are easing fans through. There's a lot of football to save as well in England. Chelsea and Manchester United seek a return to winning ways at Brighton and West Brom. But the weekend's headliner will see two former champions clash. He's successful again. Plants it in the corner. Direction, power, 
Manchester City have started well in their first game of the season. They deserve to be in front here at Molyneux. Sterling will get there first. And Phil Foden plants the ball into the empty net. And Manchester City have two goals. And it's no more than they merit. Cadence who nutmegs Kevin De Bruyne. And sets up a goal by doing so. Jimenez this time. Power. It just needed accuracy. Madison, the only Leicester player over the free kick, scored. And right-footed, he's done the same again. And has surely sealed the three points for Leicester now with a fantastic free kick. He's scored a belter against Huddersfield from the same kind of position at King. Manchester City versus Leicester City is a live commentary game on the Joy Sports Arena on Sunday. And we preview all games in Spain, Italy, Germany and France to come. Also coming up... It's lights out, away we go. Valtteri Bottas pointing towards Lewis Hamilton gets an excellent start. And Max Verstappen's alongside Hamilton as well. Bottas is into the lead and they're all swarming around behind him. Into the first corner we go. Bottas leads from Hamilton Verstappen on the inside. Lance Stroll is uh, trying to put Alex Albon under pressure as well. Charles Leclerc is ahead of Alex Albon. Still one is a tangle there. It's the McLaren. And Carlos Sainz has been spun round. And there's even further trouble way, way back. Sebastian Vettel picks his way through the melee. getting temperature into those tyres, weaving around a bit. Needs to be a bit careful because Hamilton's right beside him. The safety car has gone, the light's gone green and Bottas is away and there's a big crash at the back and that is the Alfa Romeo. I think of Kimi Raikkonen but certainly Antonio Giovinazzi. After picking up his 90th career victory at Bugello, Russia provides Hamilton with a first attempt to equal a record that has stood unrivaled since Schumacher's last win in 2006. We'll be in Sochi to bring you the Russian Grand Prix preview. If you'd like to send us a message, we'd like to read them via social media accounts on joy slash 99.7 on Facebook on 0244-340-437 on WhatsApp or you can tweet at us at joysportsgh. We'll be in France to preview the upcoming French Open and in Disney World to bring you up to date on the NBA playoffs, the Easting and Western Conference Finals. You're up to date in the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sports. Hello from me, George Adder Jr. and welcome. on Joy 99.7 FM. Remember that you can send us your WhatsApp messages on the line 055 That's the new WhatsApp line 055 uh, Yeah, we'll start with a bit of Black Stars news. Why not? Because Black Stars coach Charles Akuna has named the 23-month squad for next month's international friendly against Mali. Five debutants were included in the squad for the match, which will be played in Turkey. The debutants are France, Paul Alexander, Jiku, Yakubu, Mohamed. We've got Benson, Anan, Imanol Lomote, Kamal Dean, Suleimana. However, no local base player was included due to the ban imposed on the local leagues by government for match until September, to until the spread of COVID-19. So the Egyptian-based striker, John Entry, has been invited for the first time as well in three years. Some great news definitely for John Entry, but it's a good time right now to try and hear from the Black Stars coach who's been explaining, you know, why he got some of the players into the squad, especially the new faces. Let's hear from CK Accord on the locker room. Lumo, uh, when we had a chance to play uh, South Africa early this year, was invited, but he got injured, and now he's back, he's fit, and that is why I, I thought it's necessary to bring him on board. Yakubu uh, is a, a new guy, uh, known in this country, he's played very well uh, through the ranks of Adriana, and now in, 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 in Azam, he's doing well, he's the captain of the team. His situation is exceptional because he could play a lot of different positions, uh, holding midfield and of course right back, but his main position is the centre back. But we want to have a chance to have a look at him in, in, in different areas, areas of the game. I'm, I'm personally excited about, about him because uh, Chiku, um, at a point in time, we're not sure if he, he really wants to come. He didn't have a problem of switching nationality, but they decided to come uh, to play. And now he's decided to, to come, and so I'm, I'm very much excited about it. We'll go and come back. Lomote, uh, a boy I know uh, from... 
child and I'm happy uh, with his progress. Um, um, when he played with the under-23s, he did very, very well. I think he deserves a chance. He's, he's, he's done well. He's moved from Spain now to uh, France. And uh, I think his second match or first match, he was one of, a man of the match. Uh, he's done well uh, for himself. He's improved, and I think he deserves a, a chance. And this is a progression of, of what he's done. And I think uh, this is a friendly match. It's an opportunity for him. He will only stay with his performance. And, and he needs to convince everybody that he's, he's capable of, of doing it. I personally know he, he can, and so I'm, I'm, I'm giving him a chance. He deserves, uh, why not? He's here. Again, also, most of these guys are in to prove that they, uh, don't forget, this is a friendly match, and I think before we get into November, uh, we must know exactly those who can help us uh, uh, qualify, and, and that is why all these uh, opportunities have come uh, to, to, to these guys here. John Entry, I on earth, me and Odati on earth him in, in 11 wise. Um, since then, he's, he's done well for himself. The last time we, uh, we had a collapse, he, he was not part of the team because I was then personally not too convinced that uh, he should be part of the team. I- Coach Siki Akoto certainly now convinced that John Entry should be part of the squad. And we look forward to that game. But of course, there's more analysis to come on uh, our various shows during the weekend on the Sports Review tomorrow at 7 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. on television. That's Joy News. And as well, later on the Sports Link, we'll have a little discussion on what's been happening there. So there's more football to come, as you know. But now we have to do some boxing. Live on radio, live online. This is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. He's in trouble. He's all over the place. He's in real trouble. Tete's in a lot of trouble. And the referee wants to look at him. He's allowing it to continue. But can Casimiro take him out here? Tete still looks unsteady. He's got to buy some time here and make Casimiro miss. Casimiro needs to pick his punches. And he can't find the clean shot. And he falls down. We shouldn't start thinking anything bad. you know. But this is what we all we are crying for. So I think... It's not an easy box and fight for me. This is what I wanted. So uh, I'm coming there to win. You know, this is my dream. This is what I've been crying for for, for, for years, you know, from childhood. You know, I always dreamed to be a world champion. So I thank God I got the opportunity to fight the best one of boxers from um, Philippines. Ghana is back on the world title trail after a roller coaster couple of years where titles have been won and lost in spectacular fashion. Richard Comey blasted out Issa Shenev in two rounds and got stung in two by Teofimo Lopez in his second title defence. Isaac Dogbe stopped Jesse Magdaleno in round 11 and lost the title in a one-sided fight to Emmanuel Navarrete. Duke Micah mounts the ring on Saturday night to challenge Filipino John Real Casimiro for the WBO bantamweight crown. Micah, who is ranked 11th for the WBO, has his long-awaited world title shot because Casimiro chose him for this voluntary title defense. So let's get a bit of perspective right now ahead of the bout. My colleague Hans Mensa Ando is on the boxing beat and joins me in studio. Thank you very much, Hans, for your time. Yes, another title shot for Ghana. Duke Micah is in the firing line, of course. How excited should we get? Two years for Ghana boxing and this opportunity, um, this fight between John Rio Casimiro and Duke Micah comes at a very, very good time. Um, but we are just close to the end of the year. And it will be good for Ghana boxing to end the year with a world title. This is a voluntary title defense. Um, Duke Micah ranked number 11 on the WBO's ranking. And there is another Ghanaian who is ranked way higher than him, about nine places above him, in uh, Joseph King Konakbeko. But it's surprising. Well, of course, I mean, usually in voluntary title defenses, the title holder picks somebody sure that he can actually beat. But we've seen funny things happen. We've seen um, challenges in voluntary title defense going and upset the odds. Question is, can Duke Micah beat John Rio Casimiro on Saturday night? I think he can, um, but it depends on a lot of factors. Well, Hans, so what is Duke Micah up against in the shape of the WBO bantamweight champion John Casimiro? We are looking at a boxer who has fought five times in the last two years. He's fighting at an average of about six months, um, 22 weeks or something, something of that sort. And um, all of those five fights in the last two years 
have ended in stoppages. In other words, he stopped all the five opponents he's fought in the last two years in the lead-up to this fight. And so he's a boxer who is very much on form. Comparatively, we have Duke Micah fighting just about three times in that period. He's recorded one knockout victory, one split decision victory, and one unanimous decision victory. I mean, if you're comparing form going into this fight, John Rio Casimero is a man on fire. Now, you also have to look at it from this perspective. Naoya Inoue, the Japanese who has taken the boxing world by storm, is his target. You know, we are talking about um, a boxer who is probably top five in the world at the moment. And so, if you've got Casimero setting his sight on such an opponent, it has to tell the standard he set for himself. You know, he's very, very ambitious. And, um, you know, the fact that he wanted Nonito Doner, who is also a very experienced campaigner from his homeland, and then in no way next, but has not been able to make the, those fights and has to settle for Duke Michael, who is number 11 ranked under the BBO's ranking, has to tell you something. Duke has got his work cut out. I can tell you that um, he's, he's coming up against a boxer who can punch. He goes in looking for that right hand. Now, um, in the fight which saw Casimero capture the world title, he came up against South Africa's Zolani Tete. Zolani Tete, as some people like to mention. And he won that bout in three rounds. Guess what? It was a devastating right hand that won the fight for him. He had, you know, been stalking his opponent from the first, the second, and finally got his breakthrough in the third round. That is the sort of boxer we are talking about. He's got power in that right hand, and that is what he usually likes to utilize. So, I am very sure Hans, the boxers are ready to go, willing to give us a fight. We'll have to watch it. Where will this be won and lost? And of course, what is your prediction? Aika must maintain the distance between himself and John Rio Casimero and look to win this fight on the scorecards. And that is where it gets tricky. He must not go in there looking for the knockout. He has knockout power. His knockout ratio is way better than John Rio Casimero. But I tell you what, if he has to take the risk, I don't think that it will be worth it because when that right hand lands, it will do damage to Duke Micah. And so for me, the strategy should, should be to go in there, maintain the distance, pick points on the scorecard and look to win um, on the judges' scorecard. He shouldn't go in there looking for a knockout. If he, work, if he wears his opponent down, I think that in the later rounds, he can go in there and try to finish the job. But from the off, I think the strategy should be to control the fight where it happens, how it happens, and crucially, maintain the gap between the two fights. When Duke Micah is at his best, he's quality. But he's got to be at his brilliant best to be able to nick this one. Anything short of that, and I'm afraid... John Rio Casimero could be walking away on Saturday night with his hand raised and with his title intact. For John Rio Casimero, there is too much at stake. He cannot afford to lose. If he loses, that fight against Daoya Inoue is off the table. For the sake of Ghana boxing, I'm hoping that by the end of the contest, Ghana's 10th boxing world title would have been secured. Thank you very much, Hans Mezand, for your time on the show. Live on radio, live online. This is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. And it's lights out, away we go. Valtteri Bottas pointing towards Lewis Hamilton gets an excellent start. And Max Verstappen's alongside Hamilton as well. Bottas is into the lead and they're all swarming around behind him. Into the first corner we go. Bottas leads from Hamilton Verstappen on the inside. Lance Stroll is uh, trying to put Alex, Alex Albon under pressure as well. Charles Leclerc is ahead of Alex Albon still and is a tangle there. And it's the McLaren. And Carlos Sainz has been spun round and there's even further trouble way, way back. Sebastian Vettel picks his way through the melee. And oh no, look, it's the Red Bull of Max Verstappen that's out and into the gravel. And for the second weekend in a row, it's a DNF for MAX. That's getting temperature into those tyres, weaving around a bit. Needs to be a bit careful because Hamilton's right beside him. The safety car has gone, the lights gone green, and Bottas is away. And there's a big crash at the back, and that is the Alfa Romeo. I, I think of Kimi Räikkönen, but certainly Antonio Giovinazzi. Uh, Vettel, it seems he's not making any inroads on Russell. No, and maybe Charlotte. Oh, and it's that someone's had it off. 
And into the gravel they go. And we just look now to see that is Lance Stroll. The safety car now comes out because Lance Stroll at Arabiata 2 has had an off do for the restart. After picking up his 90th career victory at Bugello, Russia provides Hamilton with his first attempt to equal a record that stood unrivaled since Schumacher's last win in 2006. There are still eight races left to run on this year's revised and heavily disrupted schedule when Hamilton expected to eclipse Schumacher's 91 wins record on his way to matching the German seven world drivers' titles. What should we expect after a chaotic race at Mugello? Joining me is the BBC's F1 commentators, Jolyn Palmer and Jack Nichols, as well as our in-house F1 expert, Raymond Nyamadu. Thanks, guys, for your time. Let's start with you, Jolyn Palmer. After all the chaos, it's expected that drivers will have their usual meeting tonight and try to rectify the strange happenings in the last two weeks at least. Six cars crashing before the first lap in Mugello was a bit overboard, right? Absolutely, because there are drivers having nasty incidents that would have very much surprised them and there was nothing they could do about it. It's not a nice position to be in. I don't really know what they can do. The obvious thing is turn the lights off on the safety car earlier. Notify the race leader or all the teams earlier that the race is going to restart because would Bottas knowing the race was restarting earlier would he have still waited until the start finish line to go it's not the usual thing to do we've seen Lewis Hamilton do it in Baku before where there's a a huge run big slipstream and there is a big slipstream as well in um, in Mugello and maybe that's what Bottas was thinking but it's not the norm still there are big slipstreams at other circuits that we don't see it on for example and I wonder if the late call of the safety car coming in maybe put Bottas in a bit of a sticky situation where actually there was nothing he could do apart from wait till the line. But is that not a scenario you could get at Parabolica if, if you're waiting to go down towards Parabolica or is it because the drivers at the back of the queue aren't like, well, obviously we have to go now so that takes away some of their eager... You see what I mean? If the, if the race leader's kind of weaving, weaving, slow, slow, slow then power out of Parabolica... Could you not get the same situation in any safety car restart at, like, any point on a track? Yeah, you could. But, well, it's a little bit different because you can't go much earlier than the final corner because you would overtake the safety car. So the speed of a Formula 1 car, Bottas couldn't exactly drop it at the exit of Ascari because he'd probably catch the safety car Mm. before the safety car's pitted. So you really have to go at the final corner. So if you did say the driver must accelerate normally out of the final corner it would probably reduce the risk of this happening to be honest that normally happens anyway though it's a yeah. rare situation where the drivers don't accelerate all the way to the final corner I think Brazil last year did we see a bit of this and most of the time it causes no problems but it's the drivers in the midfield that leave a big gap and either try and predict when the field's going to go in which case they'd have about 80 kpa George Russell was the driver that left a bit of a gap if he'd have called that right he could blast through towards the lead of the race that's the dangerous bit Mm. either Russell was asleep and didn't mean to leave the gap or he did and predicted it wrong and that was the danger if I had to put the blame on someone it's on him to be honest and I think that will be the thing that the the drivers and the FIA look to clamp down on drivers leaving big gaps and then closing them down in that period because that's where Russell if he called it right you've got a slightly dangerous situation of Russell having such a big advantage on everyone else because so could this be the race for Hamilton? Or knowing how good Bottas has been in Russia, it's a good chance for a real fight between the two Mercedes drivers. Jack? Well, one of those Hamilton wins was handed to him by Bottas, wasn't it? Bottas was leading the way and they got him to move out of the way. Haven't Mercedes won every Russian Grand Prix, even back to Willy Scholl in the... Willy Scholl was the last one before, uh, before the new era, a uh, hundred years later. But, um, yeah, Bottas has got a chance. Bottas has always got a chance, but he's not able to to pull it together he he seems to be I think the thing I find a little bit odd is that he seems to sort of be putting it down to bad luck when he spoke on the uh, like immediately after the race he was saying um, to David Coulthard like something's got to go my way sooner rather than later it just feels like it isn't a it isn't a luck thing I, I, I get where he's coming from but it's not that things aren't going his way it's that he's oh I'd love a bit of luck right now and then it just happens for him and he doesn't he couldn't do anything with it so no, it's not luck for Bottas it's just skill it's, he's only just behind him Hamilton on qualifying 
But it is skill that's putting Hamilton ahead. And it is a bigger chunk of skill that's putting him ahead in the race. Do you agree, Gillian? I gave him 98% chance of winning this Grand Prix and it came in. But you can't... Bottas is actually quite strong in Russia. I'd rather it was one at Nürburgring. I don't know why. Just for the sort of home of Schumacher, that kind of thing, equaling the record there. Mercedes home race, but he could actually beat it there thinking about it so i guess oh, it's one or the other isn't it i mean it's, it's going to happen so and when it happens we will say how great it is tune in for the checker flag podcast after nurburgring to to hear that conversation so ray you have the last say with both jack and Jillian going for hamilton winning uh, this weekend of course that would help him to equal the 91 career wins record by michael schumacher and uh, do you think any driver has another chance in your view of course and you must end with your predictions in sochi Certainly one of those weekends where you would expect Lewis Hamilton to come to the party and equal Michael Schumacher's record and also extend his championship lead. And in fact, he would want to equal Michael Schumacher's record at the first time of asking. That certainly will be a very, very difficult one. Comes with a lot of pressure. And we're also talking about a situation where um, rain seems to be lacking around the Black Sea Resort. And that in itself could disrupt the race. And when that happens, you know, Max Verstappen would be in with a shout at winning that particular race and you also look at the fact that on the grid Valtteri Bottas has also been, been a winner in Russia and so a lot is at stake in this particular one and you can always tell that looking at how things have gone the last time we saw Netflix try to film a documentary in a Mercedes race was in Germany and I think that didn't go well for Team Mercedes uh, Total Wolf described it as their Macedon race and that's going to happen again in Russia and so we don't know if the case of that would play out again. And uh, you also look at the fact that uh, Pirelli will be introducing their softest ties um, this season, uh, especially um, looking at what has happened in the previous races. We've seen Mercedes struggle to manage their ties, and that gives um, Red Bull the chance to actually come in with a, another claim at winning this particular race. And so a lot seems to be at stake, uh, and a lot could be happening. The pressure in itself could get to Lewis Hamilton in this particular, and that's why I won't tip Lewis Hamilton to win this race. Uh, there's so much a lot of people are expecting. There's so much he himself will be expecting from himself. And there's so much Mercedes will be expecting from Lewis Hamilton. So, that could itself, you know, just make things very difficult. And so, I'm tipping Max Verstappen to go, in, uh, go into this race and win it. I'm also tipping Valtteri Bottas' teammates to actually, you know, finish second ahead of Lewis Hamilton. I just think that this is not going to be a weekend for Lewis Hamilton. Despite his dominance at Sochi, I still think that this could be a race that could just be extremely difficult for him. I don't think he's going to win this one, but definitely you can expect Lewis Hamilton with eight races to go to at least pick two or three wins to equal Michael Schumacher's record and surpass it. But this time around, I don't think that he's going to do it at the first time of asking. Thanks to F1 commentators, Julian Palmer, Jack Nichols, who are in Sochi for the Grand Prix, and of course, to our in-house expert Raymon Yamado on the show. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Italy, there are up to 1,000 supporters at the Serie A games starting from from last Sunday. In France, up to 5,000 fans are allowed to attend games in Liga. In the Netherlands, limited crowds have been allowed back into the Dutch grounds since the start of the new season this month. In Germany last weekend, six out of the nine home teams were allowed to welcome supporters on the first match day of the season, filling about 10 to 25% of the stadium. And in Belgium, there have been fans in the top flight football stadia since after the last international break. The legendary former Liverpool manager, Bill Shankly, once quipped that football wasn't a matter of life and death and it was more important than that. This was called into question in the early weeks of COVID-19 when the Champions League match between Liverpool and Atletico Madrid in March widely criticised for its role in the spread of the virus in UK as thousands of Spanish fans who were barred from watching their team at home flocked to Messi's side to watch the team in England. A three-month postponement of the competition soon followed with all matches upon resumption of affairs in June being played behind closed doors. This has had a huge financial implication on clubs around the world with Deloitte suggesting that in the Premier League alone Clubs will have lost over £500 million as a result of the pandemic, with the match day revenue considerably affected. 
Indeed, they predict that for the 2020-21 season, match day revenue will be hit by over 300 million across the division. Now, the now normal site of matches being played in front of empty stadia greeted the first weekend of matches of the 12th of September, but the understandably efforts being taken to gradually see spectators return, even as case numbers across Europe show worrying signs of entering a second wave. UEFA's attempt to get fans back into the stadia during last night's UEFA Super Cup between Bayern Munich and Sevilla was thwarted as fans billed to be present returned their tickets. So let's take a quick journey around the world in finding out how major European leagues are grappling with getting fans back in. England's attempt may be on hold after an announcement from government this week. Let's then head to Germany now, where we're joined by Sandra Goldsmith, CEO of Boss09, the website for Borussia Dortmund fans, and Sarah Benai, French broadcaster, also joining us tonight. So, Sandra, Sarah, welcome to the locker room. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. So, let's start with you, Sandra, because you were at the Borussia Dortmund game last week, and some fans were allowed into the stadium. Just tell me, how did that work? Um, yes, there were. Um, earlier, uh, when you got the email, there was a lot of instructions on it and you had like a certain time slot um, in which you could go into the stadium unless it was um, two and a half hours before. During like five, uh, four to five, it was okay to go in at any time because it's very, um, uh, many fans don't go so early. So there you could just go in whenever you want to. But other than that, you had to stick to your time slot on the ticket. They were also um, personalized, so you had to show your passport or ID. Sandra, from my experience in Dortmund some two years ago, I know every fan loves to be at the Signal Jula Park at every match day. How did the club manage the selection of fans to go in there? Yes, very. Um, Dortmund has about 55,000 uh, season ticket holders. So for this very first game, only the season ticket holders could apply. And only those um, who live either in Dortmund or in North Rhine-Westphalia. So not all of Germany could apply only when you live in the area. So Sarah, let's talk League R right now because fans were allowed in. Big talking point was the Women's Cup final between Lille and Paris Saint-Germain. Was the situation the same as Sandra described in Germany? Um, you have here in France a limited audience uh, regarding the, the current situation here. Uh, for now, the government allows up to 5,000 fans in, in stadiums. It's not a lot, but it's something. It may be raised uh, later in the season, but it's not on the agenda yet. Uh, a further review of the national situation will be carried out in October to decide if it's possible or not to relax uh, the rules. But in my opinion, it's not going to happen because we had some pretty bad news here lately for Bordeaux, Toulouse, Lyon and Marseille, for example, cities where at the moment you have a lot of coronavirus cases. So the local administration has announced that in those four cities, public events are now limited to 1,000 people. So, for example, on Sunday, Bordeaux is facing Nice at home in what is going to be an almost empty stadium. So for now, the situation is a bit complicated here in, in France. 5,000 but limited in some areas. And we know last weekend, Nice had to apply their plans to get fans into the stadium with a game against Paris Saint-Germain because of infection rates. And Sarah, indeed, Bayern Munich Schalke 04 game had similar announcements as well. So do fans have to get used to this idea of abrupt changes? You know, when you're told you can watch this game and when you're preparing for the game, you're told, yes, it's not going to happen because the infection range went higher. Yes, exactly. Um, we have, first of all, this whole um, fans back in stadiums as a six-week trial to see how it goes. And if there's um, a number of 35 or more people out of every 100,000 that are infected in a region, then um, there will be no fans allowed. And that's what happened in Munich because they had um, over 40 over seven days. So they couldn't have fans at the very last minute. Sarah, then the situation provides perfect basis for the school of thought who opine fans should be totally banned from stadia till the corona tide is totally over. I know you've heard some voices like that, have you? Yes, of course. Of course, here some people think that we, we shouldn't go to, to the stadium anyway. So it's a bit of a controversy. But for now, uh, you still have concerts, you still limited audience always everywhere here in France, but you still have some limited uh, limited uh, um, people coming to, to, to events. So some people, of course, say we, should, we shouldn't go to the stadium. 
But for now, um, it, it really depends from where you, 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 are, you are in France. It really depends from the areas. In some areas, for example, in Bordeaux, people say we shouldn't go. We shouldn't go because the cases are, are rising. So it's, it's very difficult. It's a very difficult time. So it, it depends where you are in France. But for now, as I said, like it depends. Like you have 1,000, 5,000 people, maybe in a few weeks, we, we wouldn't be allowed. We we will not be allowed to go to the stadium anymore. Maybe in a few weeks here in France, um, the stadiums are, are closing their their doors again. Thanks, Sandra. Thanks, Sarah, for your time on the show. Sandra Goldsmith is a CCO of Bozo Nine, the website for Borussia Dortmund fans, and Sarah Menai is a French broadcaster who pays close attention to Liga. Let's head to Belgium right now. Remember, Belgium were the first to cancel their league when the coronavirus surfaced, but have had their fans attending games since the international break. In fact. Fans have been attending games for the last five match days. So how are they coping? How are they doing? Let's bring in the sports journalist, Van Stadiveba, who follows the Belgian Pro League closely. Van, thanks for your time. How are you doing with the fans watching every game? A game is split up in uh, different events, which are autonomous uh, parts of the stadium with their own entrance, exit, uh, food and beverage. And each of those, uh, we call them compartments, can contain maximum 400 people. So if you have a larger stadium, we have stadiums where they can go, the, the largest is now, largest capacity is 9,200. And the smallest capacity is uh, 2,000, more or less. So it's almost, if you, if you want to put a number on it, it's like 30% of stadium capacity. So people have to arrive at a certain moment which is clearly defined, and have to leave also at a certain moment. You can't leave after the game, everybody together. That's that's impossible. They have to go immediately to the seats. People also have to wear their masks during the whole game. Van, we know the fans are very passionate. Some of these rules, including no shouting, no screaming, no excessive jubilation when a goal is scored, should be very difficult. How are the fans coping and comporting themselves? The first weekend went very, very well, I have to say. The second now, we had some issues uh, where there was uh, some fans who didn't respect rules. But uh, immediately, uh, our Minister of Sport has um, yes, uh, closed some parts of, of those stadiums. So it's, uh, it's a week-by-week thing. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's football, it's passion. If people are disrespecting through the game, really... Um, rules, then we have to we have to stand up. If you want that your fellow fans can go to the next game, just respect the rules so other people, other fans also can uh, attend the game. So what's the difference then? Because Belgium are cruising with fans in the stadium. You've been doing this since the international break. The rest of Europe seems to be struggling with, I mean, with England and Spain totally out of it. What's the secret there? We, we started preparing uh, the return of the fans from uh, almost the beginning of June. And then we started really to, to try to convince uh, politicians, uh, the mayors, local police force, national police force. So it has been a job of, 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 of uh, three months, really intensive work and exchange. That's maybe one of the, the, the main reasons why we are having fans now in the stadiums. We also started our, our season quite early in comparison. And of course, we can't underestimate it. It's uh, a huge financial loss every game uh, behind closed doors, of course. So it, it, it has been a, a, a work of uh, an intensive work of exchange with all uh, who was involved in this politicians, poli- police, that's why we're having now our fans in the stadiums. But, you know, it's a week-to-week thing. You can understand that uh, the ministers are under some pressure to, to react immediately if something happens. Thanks, Van, for your time. To South America next, because the Brazilian government on Tuesday sanctioned the partial return of fans to football stadiums. The decision would allow crowds of around 25,000 in Rio's Maracanã Stadium and came after the Brazilian Football Confederation asked health officials to rule on this proposal to get fans back into the grounds that have been closed since March when football shut down due to the spread of COVID-19. Let's get more from the South American football expert, Vickery. Thank you very much for your time. Tell us a little more about this decision, which will come as a surprise to my listeners, considering the number of cases in Brazil at the moment. 
A welcome to President Bolsonaro's Brazil. Our one health minister was sacked and another resigned because they were in favour of social distancing. The current health minister is a military man with no health background. The governments have made no secret of their desire for football to play a role in a, in a, in a kind of return to perceived normality. So tomorrow we have the, uh, the extraordinary irony of uh, the clubs meeting by video conference to talk about this issue which uh, will be about whether thousands of fans can gather in their stadiums. Well, there's concern, I guess, as well, because we know individual clubs are struggling to contain the virus remotely. Flamengo had uh, seven players and two of their backroom staff testing positive. A further three have subsequently tested positive. Now, in the Copa Libertadores, South America's Champions League, which returned last week, the, the squads have been increased from 30 to 50 exactly so that the, the, the clubs can, can have cover in case of a mass outbreak of coronavirus in their ranks. It's more or less an admission that it's not entirely safe to proceed. Well, the clubs get their wish, considering most of them are struggling with the situation, and hope that there will be a delay with a return of fans to the stadium eventually. I do. Uh, I think there's a, there's a big problem here, because it will be up to local governments to administer this and there will be plenty of local governments who will be reluctant for fans to return to stadiums um, from the position of and some of the clubs are already talking about this because uh, if, if it's not the same for all clubs if some can have supporters in the stadium whereas others can't that could well be a motive to halt the championship for some clubs to withdraw from the championship so this move um, to, uh, to to have uh, up to 30% of fans inside stadiums at this stage it looks premature and very problematic What's the picture looking like elsewhere in South America? Well I don't think anyone else is really thinking too hard about having fans inside stadiums I mean, the, the, the uh, national leagues in Venezuela, Argentina and Bolivia have yet to restart but this, uh, th this situation is about to go global because in two weeks time we have the start of World Cup qualification in South America now in terms of the Copa Libertadores and domestic football, that's the, the, the travel is happening inside the continent. With World Cup qualification, the players will be assembling from all over the world. And all of the, the big star names are based in European club football. Now, with the coronavirus situation so serious in South America at the moment, will the European clubs be willing to release their players knowing that there's a risk that they're, they're, those players will come back having been contaminated with the coronavirus. Uh, we'll find out the answer to that in under two weeks. Tom Vickery, as a South American sports journalist, joined us with some interesting updates. Well, in Africa, the Cup Champions League and Confederations Cup semi-finals and finals begin next month. But there's no word at the moment from the Confederation of African Football, uh, you know, on plans of having fans at any stadia. Here in Ghana, we know the Ghana Football Association has announced that the 2020-21 season will commence in November. This follows the decision of government to give the green light for football to resume. Indeed, President Akufuado maintained that stadia could be 25% full. All of that is yet to be seen with the financial issues the clubs have and uh, whether we can do social distancing and all of that, I'm sure it's all up there. Thank you guys for your time on the show. Surely up there for discussion. We're just waiting to find out how this will be done. We know that the Ghana Premier League definitely starts in November. We're looking forward to that. It's now time to get into the Joy Sports BBC Two Way Series. The BBC's John Bennett, as always, on hand and quite interesting topics to talk about. Now, enjoy this. We're back with more. Thanks, John, for your time this weekend. And let's begin with Chelsea, who have had an interesting week, losing to Liverpool at home on Sunday. A hat-trick for record-signing Kai Havertz in midweek. And a new goalkeeper confirmed. What's the best way to go around Kepa with the Balaga? With Edward Mendy now available? Well, I think sooner rather than later, we're going to see Edward Mendy in the sticks, being the number one choice for Chelsea. Excellent player. Um, helped Wren get into the Champions League last season. Listen, it is a jump. No disrespect to Liga. I'm a big fan of Liga, the French top flight, but it is a jump from there to the Premier League. We'll have to get used to used to the the Premier League style of football, but I do think he will be number one and I do think he'll do better than Kepa as well. He'll be more suited to English football than Kepa. 
I actually do feel sorry for the Spanish goalkeeper. He seems to have completely lost his confidence. Maybe a spell on the sidelines and a, a target to aim at to try and compete with Eduard Mendy. Maybe that could be the best thing for him in the long run for Kepa Ariza Balaga. Uh, yeah, I was really delighted in midweek that um, Kai Havertz got his hat trick for Chelsea. Um, I was a bit disappointed with the way that Frank Lampard used him in the Premier League. I thought he was a bit too playing a bit too deep for me. But it is early days, and I'm sure they will uh, get used to how Kai Havertz plays, and I'm sure Kai Havertz will get used to the Premier League as well. Uh, one quick word about Edward Mendy, though. I'm sure you've seen this, George, but just in case, what a story. A few years ago, when he was 23, he was unemployed for a year. Uh, he was at Cherbourg. Uh, he had an agent who promised him a move to the Championship in England. It didn't work out, and in the end, he kind of fell through the cracks. He didn't have a club for a year. Um was thinking of quitting football then eventually was picked up by the Marseille B team signed for, for Reims and then signed for, signed for Rennes and the rest is history so from, from being unemployed thinking of quitting football is now at Chelsea brilliant story inspiration for us all cameras on the Chelsea training ground did capture former goalkeeper Peter Cech taking part in sessions and there are rumours he's fully dedicating time to training how true is this and does it suggest part of Kepa's problems were due to poor training that's interesting, George. Uh, I've got to be honest, I haven't been uh, close to that situation at the training ground to see if that's really true, but I wouldn't be surprised. You've got one of the best goalkeepers of all time in the building. Why not use him, if the goalkeeper coach doesn't mind, to give a bit of advice to the goalkeepers? Frank Lampard, obviously the head coach of Chelsea, knows him very, very well, so I'm sure he's passing on advice to Kepa, and I'm sure he will help Edward Mendy as well. Remember, Petr Cech signed for Chelsea from Rennes, Edward Mendy is signing for Chelsea from Rennes, and I'm sure Petr Cech had a big part to play in identifying Edward Mendy as the goalkeeper that Chelsea want to, to take the club forward. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Petr Cech is, at the very least, uh, acting as um, uh, someone that the goalkeepers can talk to. What advice, what wisdom you have in the building, why not use it? Fans of Manchester United down here, especially after the loss of Crystal Palace, are wondering at why there's a lack of signings in critical areas. And even more worrying then is the fact that there are no proper deals in the transfer mail. Can they hope? Or is this really an indication that business is over for the Reds? Yeah, I was at the game uh, last Saturday, it was, wasn't it? Uh, at Old Trafford, Manchester United against Crystal Palace. United looked so rusty. In a way, I kind of have an excuse for them. They had a very difficult pre-season. Obviously, the short break between Europa League semi-final and start of the Premier League. Also, they had a situation where a lot of their first-teamers uh, couldn't train for various reasons. For example, Paul Pogba, uh, with tested positive for coronavirus, couldn't play in the final pre-season friendly they had against Aston Villa. So I, I do give them a break on that level, but they weren't at the races in the game. Crystal Palace looked sharp, looked match-ready after their win the previous week against Southampton. And what I will criticise Manchester United about is their business again this summer. Donny van der Beek, no question about it, is a fantastic signing. He'll turn into a really good Manchester United player. Goal on his debut. But they put all their eggs into one basket almost, trying to get Jadon Sancho. And they've missed out on buying players that, that they need in certain areas of the park. We hear that Alex Telles is possibly a target from Porto, a left-back. They desperately need a left-back. I think they need a centre-back to play alongside Harry Maguire. Um, possibly they need a winger as well. We know that they're chasing Jaden Sancho, but it doesn't look as though that's going to go over the line. There is still 10 days to go before the, the transfer deadline, so you never know. But at the moment, it looks as though Manchester United fans are going to be frustrated. I could see only one more signing, possibly, before the transfer deadline. Ghanaian interest then, and one where your club is concerned, John. was fun to see Daniel Amate back in action against Arsenal after close to two years of inactivity. We hope indeed he gets well soon, but does that gap give Amate another chance? Can he impress Brendan Rodgers? And more importantly, where on the pitch for you? I was so pleased to see Daniel Amate back on the pitch. It seems such a long ago. It was such a long ago when he picked up that horrible injury um, against West Ham. It was October 2018. And it was a horrible night because Daniel Amati picked up that injury. And then, of course, a few hours later, the Leicester owner uh, and others as well who were in the helicopter died in a horrific helicopter crash just outside the King Power Stadium. So that night just brings back horrible memories. And for Daniel Amati, he'd only played one 
friendly. Since then, he played 45 minutes. So for him, even though Leicester lost the game, for him to get 90 minutes under his belt, I was so, so happy for him. Whether he will get a chance at Leicester City, I, I don't think so because Leicester City, I don't know what you think about this, but for me, I, I think Daniel Amati is a centre-back or a midfielder. But Leicester City... I've constantly identified him as a right-back and there is so much competition in that Leicester team in the right-back spot at the moment. You've got James Justin, Timothy Castagna, Ricardo Pereira when he comes back. So there's three right-backs. Two of them can also play left-back, so that opens up a little spot. But it's it's going to be very difficult for Daniel Lamarty to get his chance. I think he, he needs to move on. I really hope he, he moves, possibly on loan. Maybe back to FC Copenhagen, his old club, to get some confidence back. He's a really good player, Daniel Amati. He's still young. He's only in his mid-twenties. There's lots of his career to come. I think he can offer a lot to the Black Stars as well when he gets back to full fitness and full form. I just hope he can get some regular first-team football now. I don't think he's going to be at Leicester, but possibly elsewhere, and just avoids injuries. He's a, he's a really good guy, Daniel Amati, and I really wish him well. Fixtures for the weekend in a bit, but let's talk about the newly formed Portugal national team in the Premier League. They were settling at it again this week. Semedo joining that already impressive Wolves side. What are your genuine expectations of them? I love watching Wolverhampton Wanderers. They're one of those teams who are the image of their coach. You can see how well coached they are. And there's thought that has gone into everything at that club. He is such a good coach, Nuno Espirito Santo. Yeah, I saw that on the BBC Sport website. They just need one centre-back from Portugal and they can make a whole eleven of Portuguese players. People scoffed at the time about this link-up they have with George Mendes and the fact that all these Portuguese players are coming over. But it's worked for them. It's making the club money and it's getting them towards the upper upper echelons of the Premier League. You know, they've made it to the Europa League. Uh, they, they latter stages last season, they just missed out on making it to the Europa League last season. Um, so they won't be playing in Europe this season. But I, I think it's, it's a fantastic project. I love watching Wolves. I'm glad they brought in Semedo because that will allow Adama Traore to play higher up the pitch. I don't think he was comfortable as a right wing back. I'd like to see him in a more attacking area where he can really cause some damage. Uh, he's added um, a, a finished product, Adama Traore. So to get him in the uh, uh, the uh, high part of the pitch is vital for Wolves. So, yeah, I love watching Wolves. Brilliant team to watch and I think they'll have a good season. They'll definitely be in the top eight for me this season. Let's get into the fixtures then. Can Chelsea get back to winning ways against West Brom? Manchester United, same against Brighton. And the weekend's headliner, obviously, is Manchester City up against your Leicester City. Yeah, Leicester have done really well to win two from two, considering all the problems they've had in terms of financially. I think they've struggled to bring in new signings. I think they've been one of the clubs really hit hard financially by the coronavirus pandemic. And also injuries and suspensions, missing Johnny Evans, having to play Wilfred and Didi at centre-back. And Didi sadly could be out for up to 12 weeks with a groin injury. That's a huge blow. I think it's going to be tough for them against Manchester City, who, despite the fact that it was their first game of the season, looked really sharp last weekend against Wolverhampton Wanderers. So, um, yeah, some good games to look forward to. to. For, for me, Manchester United worth looking out for after losing to Crystal Palace. They travel to Brighton, who thrashed Newcastle last weekend. We're expecting Donny van der Beek to, to start after making um, a scoring start as a, as a debutant from the bench last weekend. Uh, that was against Palace, of course. You now take on another team with a 100% record after two games. Everton, they've looked really impressive, inspired by their new signings like Abdoulaye Decoré and James Rodriguez. There's another battle between teams who have won two from two. The champions Liverpool facing Arsenal. Can't wait for that game on Monday. Elsewhere, I'm going to a game where the fans will be missed more than ever. This is Sheffield United against Leeds United in a Yorkshire derby. It would normally be played in a frenetic and passionate atmosphere, but of course it's behind closed doors. Uh, Leeds going to the match with confidence. They picked up their first Premier League win for 16 years, but the other two promoted clubs, George, yet to get off the mark this season. West Bromwich Albion, they're going to find it tough to change that against uh, your Chelsea team. And Fulham welcome Aston Villa to Craven Cottage. Um, it's going to be another great weekend. George, have a good one. Thanks, John. And good luck against Manchester City because I think you need it. Yeah, he knows that, John. He certainly needs a bit of luck there. Leicester City game against Manchester City. That game is live on the Joy Sports Arena. Gary Osmond will be over that and we'll be enjoying a lot more when it comes to Sunday. All right, now let's just find out the games to look forward to. There's action everywhere in Europe. Here's Joy Sports Moses Yabois. 
Another week begins, but this time it's different. It's no longer about friendlies. This weekend, the season well and truly gets going at Barcelona with the opening fixture of the league campaign at home to Villarreal on Sunday. Following one of the most incredible will he stay or will he go sagas we'll ever see, Lionel Messi enters the new season as a Barcelona player. It's been a stunning summer of unrest and controversy at the Camp Nou, but the players must concentrate on picking up their first points of the new season. La Liga champions Real Madrid head to their stadio Benito Villamarín to play a fast start in Real Betis on Saturday night. It was an incredibly underwhelming opening to the defense of their La Liga crown for Real Madrid last weekend, while Real Betis have started the new campaign with a bang. Will that momentum have any effect on the outcome of this fixture? Or will Madrid's superior quality come to the fore? Atletico Madrid, who were not in action in the first two rounds, play host to Granada. El Atleti are on a quest to close the gap between Real Madrid and Barcelona. And no doubt, they are likely to go all guns blazing at Granada. Elsewhere, Valencia will host Huesca. Etafi play away to Alaves. Sertavico will face Valladolid. Elche take on Real Sociedad and Osasuna host Levante. Andrea Pello faces the first major test of his fledgling managerial career as the Juventus coach takes his team to the capital city to play Roma on Sunday night. This fixture gives both Roma and Juventus the opportunity to lay down an early marker. The hosts are looking to close the gap to their visitors this weekend after finishing 13 points behind the champions in faith while Juve are targeting their 10 successive Scudetto. Milan are looking to maintain their 100% start to the new season as they travel to the Stadio Ezio to play newly promoted Cotoni on Sunday. Milan are in danger of falling further behind the big boys this season, which is a crucial campaign for the Rosinari. They are back in the Europa League, but they need to give a better account of themselves and get closer to perennial champions Juventus. Serie A hopefuls Inter Milan are back on home soil for the first time this time and face a tough start against Fiorentina. The Nerazzurri were granted an extra week of preparation time after their European excursions and will be led by Antonio Conte. The fiery tactician was reportedly close to leaving his position but has committed his future to the club. The teams of Napoli and Genoa will face each other at Stadio San Paolo on Sunday. Atalanta will travel to Torino and Sampdoria who host Benevento. After hammering Schalke 0-4-8-0 in the opening match of the season, Bayern Munich will be looking to cement top position in the Bundesliga standings when they take on Hoffenheim at Pre-Zero Arena. Borussia Dortmund netted five in each of their two league wins over Augsburg last season, and Lucien Favre's men look ready to put on another masterclass at WWK Arena. Bayer Leverkusen and RB Leipzig shared the spoils in both league meetings last season. Each Bundesliga fixture ended 1-1, and another draw could be on the cards when they renew their rivalry at the Bay Arena. Antrag Frankfurt travelled to the German capital to face Hertha Berlin. After a humiliating 8-0 loss to Bayern Munich last weekend, Schalke 04 boss David Wagner has one game to save his job. The bad- What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. For him is that statistically, this is the worst fixture for his side to face after Bayern. Schalke have lost five of their last six and seven of their last ten competitive meetings against Werder Bremen. Mujin Glasberg will host Union Berlin and Wolfsburg play away to Freiburg. In the French league, our PSG will be aiming to build on a routine 3-0 win over Nice when they take on Rams. Monaco will take on Strasbourg and Lyon travel to Lorraine. In the Premier League, Manchester United look to bounce back from their dismal start when they take on Brighton at Amex Stadium. Serhus Park will host Saturday's football game between Crystal Palace.